Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So today we're going to be continuing our series called A Season of Power. Um, I was really struggling, guys. I just want you to know on what direction to go with today's message. I thought about a lot of different things. I know one of the messages coming up, I haven't put it together, is the power of, of you know, a, 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 a wife, the power of a wife. I don't know how I'm going to title it, but I didn't think that that was the important message to speak today. I spoke on the Holy Spirit last week, and, um, and I'm going to continue um, Today's service on the Holy Ghost, just from a different, a different angle. Um, but if you will, please turn your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start with, uh, with verse 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this, in my former book, this is, of course, Luke that wrote um, the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. Verse 3, after his suffering, talking about Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So he had went to the cross, he had been buried and then afterwards, this is talking about he, he continued to show himself, giving convincing proofs that he was still alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while they were eating, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Somebody say, wait for the gift? Wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me also speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore your kingdom to Israel? He responded, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Somebody say a good amen there. Amen. All right. So today I want to talk to you about, and my, my title of my message is The Power of Waiting. The Power of Waiting. Now please don't get up and leave because you already don't like my message. Um, because we know that nobody today likes to wait for anything. But I'm telling you this, that there is power in waiting. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for the incredible worship that we've had. Thank you, Lord, for these people that have got up on time to get here on time to worship you on time at this time. Now, Lord, we prepare our hearts and minds for the word of the Lord. We ask, Lord, that we would just not be hearers, but we would be doers of the word, that it would change our hearts, our minds, and our direction. Lord, we thank you for the peace and the power that we have in you. We pray, Lord, that you prepare us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So I believe wholeheartedly the last couple of years, and I'm sure that many of you would believe in this also, but the last couple of years for the church has been a time of self-analysis. Maybe for some, you guys remember that old saying, an, uh, uh, paralysis by analysis or paralysis. Some of us are thinking so much and it's obvious as to why. Like we're thinking so much because our world is a little bit crazy at times, right? You know, we, we, we have just all kinds of things in the political realm. We've got so much division in our world. Now we got balloons flying over that are being shot down and, and uh, we've got We've got all kinds of positions that people are even taking on opposite ends in the church, right? There, there's so many things going on right now, and it causes, at least it should cause us to question, if it's not causing you to question, like, where am I? I've been doing a lot of this. Where am I right now? And then I can't say, where am I? Ask the question, where am I? Without saying, okay, where should I be? 
If, 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 if I'm here, should I be here or should I be someplace else, right? And then another question that I often ask myself is, where am I going? And so I feel like the church is in this position, this place of analyzing. And of course, when I say the church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me. How many of you know that the people of God make the church of God? Amen? I also want us to know this, that every single season in life is important. Every season in life. The seasons that you love to be in and the seasons that you hate to be in. I want us to know this, that every season that you go through in life is valuable and it's important. In fact, if there's one bit of advice that I have given more than any other bit of advice, it would, it would be this. And, and just say amen if I've ever told you this. Um, I, have in, I have told people this as much as anything else I've said. Enjoy the season. Enjoy the season that you're in. I'll have young people or, or people that have been serving themselves for a long period of time. And then all of a the sudden, they get a revelation of the goodness of God. They surrender their life to the Lord. And, and many people want to be fixed and totally just changed and transformed overnight, right? We want to know everything that there is to know about God in a moment's time. And, and it's easy for me just to say, settle down now, right? Settle down and enjoy the season. Enjoy the process of getting to know the Lord. And then the same thing is true. People that I visit with that have served God much longer than I've served God, and, and they're faced with a big situation, a troublesome time, you know, I will remind them, listen, even in this time that you would do anything to get out of, enjoy the season. How many of you know that there are things that you can only learn in the struggle that you cannot learn in times of peace? right? The struggle is a tremendous teacher. How many of you know that there's things that you can learn in isolation and separation that you cannot learn in the crowds, right? But yet sometimes people are just fighting to get out of isolation and separation. And it's like, listen, sometimes some of the best advice, even in the worst of situations that you can give somebody, is enjoy the season, because God's always at work, right? He's always speaking. He's always leading. He's always teaching. He's always directing. And sometimes, even in the hardest situations, the greatest lessons can be learned. See, in our text here that I just read, Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 1, I want us to recognize that this text is a very traumatic text to the followers that were close to Jesus. See, these men had given up everything that could be given up to follow him. They put their livelihoods on the line. They put their reputations on the line. They put their relationships on hold. Even, yes, their relationships with much of their families. So why would they do this? What would cause you today to leave your great paying job? What would cause you today to, to get up and just leave, right, to leave your wife, to leave your children? What would cause you today to say, you know what, there's something more important? What would cause you today to, to, to leave your, your friends and your deep relationships? Why did they follow Jesus? Why did they go where he went, did what he did, when he did what he did? Why? Why were they three years committed to following him. They, they, they couldn't run their family business. They couldn't help to parent. Everything suffered. Why? Because many of them thought that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom on the earth. They thought, they thought just possibly this, that this Jesus, this Messiah, this one that we've been waiting for, it's at this time that he's going to overthrow the influence of Caesar. And so they're like, listen, man, it's going to be worth it. However long it is, it's going to be worth it. But I want you to know that as things unfolded and things presented themselves differently than what they thought, how it was going to show up, their discipleship was tested. 
It's hard to be disciplined. Discipline is a part of discipleship. It's hard to be disciplined when the world throws you a curveball. It's even more difficult when the kingdom throws you a curveball. Here they are. They thought that it was going to be this way, but it ended up being something totally different. And though Jesus spoke of of his suffering, though Jesus spoke and referred to uh, the cross and this building, this temple being torn down and rebuilt in, in three days, though he was always putting it out there, the ones that were closest to him seemingly They weren't ready for the cross. They didn't understand the cross. They didn't know anything about what was coming. They did not see the cross coming like it came. And I was thinking about this, that it seems like there's always hardship to walk through whenever you want to elevate. Like any time somebody does anything significant in life, it just seems like, like there's suffering that's attached to it. There's sacrifice that is attached to it. Like, like if you aspire to be somebody that, 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 that you admire, please know that they didn't just wake up one day and they just kind of stepped into this gift. Like there was sacrifice. Like the reason why every single one of us is not a owner of our own business is number one, because, because not everybody is called to own their own business. But let me say it like this. There are some of you in this room right now that God has called you to own your own business, but you've not taken the step. Why? Because the sacrifice is too great. Putting up the funds, you got to deal with insecurities. Can I really be successful? Right? You got to put in the time and the effort, make the phone calls. You know, some of us, we, 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 we are really good at selling things, but we don't like to sell things. And so what happens is, is God has called you way back here that this is what I've got. And if you'll just go and you'll just do, then I'll bless you, right? But we've not taken it. Why is not everybody their own boss? Because some of us are not willing to pay the price. Why is it that everybody in this room has not gone to college? Why why is it that everybody in this room doesn't have a degree, why is it that everybody doesn't hold a master's degree or a doctorate? Why? Because there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice that goes along with that. You're talking about time. You're talking about effort. You're talking about energy. You're talking about sleep. You're talking about money in a lot of cases, in most cases, right? And so, once again, we like, we like peace more than we like the effort that goes into you know, making something, you know, come about. And, and, and to go up in anything, there's a cost. And I'm just saying this as though even though Jesus was the fullness of God manifest in the flesh, the bill for humanity was due, and it was time for him to say it is paid in full. And this was not easy because he was also human he was also God. You guys remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Like he's saying, man, if there's any other way, let this cup pass, be, you know, pass from me. So this shows us the side of humanity of who, who Jesus was. Like he was tested and tried in all ways, but sinned not. He struggled with the same things that you and I struggle with. But he went to the cross. He said, he said not my will, but let yours be done. Nonetheless, is what he said. So the result here is he goes to the cross, but the result is is trauma. Somebody say trauma. Confusion, fear, and uncertainty to those people that were closest to him. See, he was stripped naked and he was beaten like a thief. In fact, he was treated like a thief being hung between two thieves on a cross. He was raised up high and hung on a tree. How disgraceful. This is the king that we gave everything. We trusted in so much that we walked away from our business. We walked away from our families. We walked away from our friends. This is who we walked away from all of these things for, and this is the final result. And so there was major chaos and confusion, right? Sometimes, let me just say it like this. Like sometimes I've been given a word of course, nobody in here, but I've been given a word 
for somebody, instruction for somebody that wasn't what I thought about it. It wasn't my opinion about it, but I'm like, ooh, dang, that's from the Lord. This is what you should do. This is what I really feel that God is sharing for you to do. But sometimes when people have their minds made up, it doesn't matter. You could talk, you could counsel, you could speak, you could spend thousands and thousands of dollars to go to the finest counselor in the whole state of Idaho. And if you got your mind made up about something, you're going to do what it is that you're going to do. And you're going to think what it is that you think you ought to think. It doesn't matter the education or the, the letters behind somebody's name of achievements, and they could give you the best advice. But boy, oh boy, if you got your mind made up, there's nobody that's going to change your direction. And so these people were, were in a very difficult situation, but yet we read the Bible, and sometimes I catch myself saying, I can't believe that Thomas was such a doubter. I can't believe that Peter, after all that he saw, right, Peter's a knucklehead. I can't believe that Peter denied. I can't believe that of all of the people that were there, it seems like the highlight of the people that were at and with Jesus, at the cross with Jesus, was John and mom. Where was everybody? Where was everybody else? And I just want us to pause and say, this is crazy thinking because these men were under tremendous pressure. And somebody say pressure. Pressure is how you know who is really with you. Some people will tell you, just like Peter told Jesus, man, I'll go to death with you. Jesus is like, ah, Peter. Some people are with you and they're, they, they will say that they will always be with you until they're put in a pressure cook situation with you. And then all of a sudden you lift your head and you're like alone. See, pressure reveals just how close people are. And so once again, not part of my message, but I'm telling you, if you've got one friend that has been willing to walk with you closely through pressure situation... Make sure you never lose that relationship because there's something very special in that place. But this pressure that they were dealing with was more than just Jesus dying right on a cross. That was a big part of it. But this is what I want us to know is their problem increased because the intention of destroying Jesus was now shifted off of Jesus. He was already handled and it was shifted on them. Where are these followers of the way? Where are these that call themselves Christian? And because of the heat, they went into hiding. Because of the pressure, they locked themselves behind closed doors. They were imprisoned. They were isolated. They were quarantined. Do you know anything about this? They were at fear. They were living in fear. They literally stayed behind closed doors because had they gone out, it could mean certain death. Imagine, Gary, what it might be like. You know, they're hungry. They need water. They have things that they still need. They had to get so creative just to go into the marketplace to get things that they needed to sustain them for periods of time. This is the kind of fear that they were in. And in the middle of the chaos, somebody say in the middle, Jesus shows up. And he doesn't just show up in a regular way, a normal way. He comes walking through walls and walking through doors and he starts to present himself to the people that know him. See, he didn't show up the second time publicly. He had already shown up publicly. He had already wept and cried for the masses. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you to myself as a hen does her chicks, right? So he had already cried for the masses, but now on his second coming, on his return, when he resurrected for that 40-day period and he began to show himself to the people, guess what? He went to the people that knew him. He presented himself not publicly, but privately, not to the masses, 
but to the individuals, people that he had relationship with. And that's true even today. It's true today that God will reveal himself in greater measure to people that know him. See, there are things that are discovered in the secret, the secret place, the place of intimacy, the place of prayer. There are secret things that are discovered in the secret place that are not discovered in the masses. There are things that are known and revealed to people that have a covenant relationship with him, that are blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled believers of Jesus Christ. There are things that he will show you and reveal to you that he will not show to just every, everybody. And I'm just so grateful that that's, that's how it is that he moves. I'm not saying he doesn't reveal himself. God, thank you for revealing yourself to everybody, but there are deeper things, secret things, powerful things to those that will pursue him quietly and press in. He died, all of these people seen it. He was buried in a tomb, they all seen it. Now he shows up walking through walls. And I'm just telling you this, that I'm thankful for the show up. I hope you're thankful for the show up as well. See, Jesus showed up in my life at a very critical moment, at a time where, where, where it is very possible that had he not shown up, I wouldn't not just be here today, I wouldn't be here today. See, when Jesus showed up, it changed the directory, the trajectory of my life. It, it, was all, it was like when I shared this in first service, it was like somebody firing a rifle and if you've, if you've ever used tracer rounds, they're amazing, like night fires, where, where it'll ricochet off of a rock. It's going one direction. It's beautiful, amazing. It's incredible when it ricochets and goes a completely different direction. And what's crazy about this is anytime a life has an encounter with the rock, which is Christ Jesus, a real encounter with the rock, it changes the trajectory of, of, of their direction. They're going one way. All of a sudden, if you're not careful, it might be coming the exact opposite direction. Right back at you. And I've heard that before. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the show up. He visited Abraham, changed his life. Moses, life changing. David, he showed up, life changing. Me, you, life changing. See, your visitation removes fear, removes doubt, and it produces a new path for you to walk on. So here they are, they're behind closed doors, they're hiding out in fear. There's two different places in the Bible where, where, and there's probably more, but there's two main ones that I'm thinking about where people are behind closed doors. The first one is what I'm talking about right here, right now. Jesus has been hung on a cross, and all of a sudden the people go into tremendous hiding out of fear. This is called isolation. Why did they isolate themselves? Because they were afraid of being killed by, by, by the mobs. There, were, there was, a, there was a, a hit on their heads, right? Hell had put a hit on their heads, and so they're in isolation. The second place that we see it is right after the ascension. Jesus is speaking to over 500 going to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. 120 made the journey, and 120 are behind closed doors, but they're waiting behind closed doors, not in isolation, but in anticipation. And so what's the difference between isolation and anticipation? The difference is your attitude concerning these things. When you're in isolation, the reason they were there is because of fear. What is the world going to do to me? But when they're waiting in anticipation, they're waiting, believing that God's got something greater for them. Right? What is God going to do next? He just told us that incredible things are coming our ways. 
Luke chapter 24 and verse 50, the Bible says that Jesus led them out as far as Bethany. So they're in hiding. Jesus is resurrected for a period of 40 days, walking through walls and all kinds of things. He's visiting with them. It's not a ghost that they're seeing because they, Jesus is like, hey man, I'm kind of hungry. And they give him some fish to eat, right? So this isn't just a, a figment of their imagination. Like he sits down, holds in his hands, holds in his feet. He's, he's eating up some food, right? And, um, and, and so the Bible says that after this encounter, he leads them out as far as Bethany, and he blesses them. Imagine this. The one that you love, the one that you've been mourning the loss of while you're in hiding, now reveals himself only to bring to a close his 40-day visitation, like he's leaving again. You know, sometimes people would say it had been better off if he just didn't even show up. You know, we'd have been further on in our grieving and our mourning period. What's the big idea of him coming back and then putting us through all of this same situation again, only to leave again? Right. That must have been torment for some of them. And here they are. They're thinking, surely this is going to be the last time we see him this side of heaven. Some of you have had some of those moments with people that you love very much. Like, like, let's say you just came home, you live in a far-off state, and you go home to visit your grandma because she's not doing very well. You have an incredible time with grandma. It's a beautiful time. But whenever you're getting on the plane, you're thinking to yourself, this could potentially be the very last time that I see grandma again. Matter of fact, if I was betting on it, I'm going to make this this goodbye special and significant because I probably will not get another goodbye. It's the same thing that's true. You know, one of the hardest things for a lot of people at a celebration of life service, we call, we call them celebrations of life. Other people call them funerals. One of the hardest things for families to deal with is the closing of the casket. Now think about this. By this time, a person has been expired. They've died Three days, four days, five days earlier. And so this is literally just a shell. Like there's nothing in there. I have, I have prayed with people in the midst of transitioning where I have felt their soul and their spirit just leave their body. And all it is is a shell there. There's nothing significant about that. But this is the thing that's so hard. When that casket closes, it's the last time that you're going to be able to see their face this side of heaven. And so it can be very, very difficult. It can be very traumatic for a lot of people. I literally have seen people throw themselves on the body, not allowing the casket lid to shut because they're not ready for that to be so final. And, and, that, and that's, I can totally understand why that is. But I'm just saying that don't we know, too, also that that person is no longer in that space, in that place. That person is with the Lord. And so goodbyes can be difficult. And, and certainly the second goodbye must have, you would think it must have been difficult. But let's check out how the story reads because that's not how it was. He leads them out. The Bible says he lays hands on them and he blesses them. And then he ascends into heaven. What a glorious thing that could have been, right? Verse 52, it says this, and they worshiped him. Somebody say worshiped him. And now the story is different. The Bible says that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So what happened? Why were they so fearful and distraught and had no hope the, at the, the time that he died on a cross and was buried in a tomb? But now he's leaving again. And the Bible says that they're filled with great joy. What happened? Luke chapter 24 when it talks about Jesus saying, go to Jerusalem. Listen, I'm going to make some connections here. Luke wrote Luke, and he, and he wrote the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 1, is a continuance of the book of Luke. So you can pick up where he says, listen, go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise. You flip it over, right? And it's a continuance in Acts of the same story. Somebody say, same people. Same Jesus, same setting, same ascension, different place written down. 
So it's a, it's a continuance. And so, same writer. Somebody say same writer. All right. Acts chapter 1 and verse 10 is that continuance. So the Bible says, with great joy, right? It continues on from what we see in Luke. With great joy, they seen Jesus go up. They seen Jesus ascend. And then they're standing there, they're watching, and they're amazed. And two angels show up and said this, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing at him? Didn't he tell you to go into the city and wait for the promise? So what happened? Why were they now so excited once again? They've been through this trauma once. It would seem like it was traumatic again. But the reason why they were so excited is because they were excited about what was coming and what was promised. They were excited about what was coming and what was promised. You know, when you lose somebody, and we've all lost people that mean a lot to us, right? Or at least most of us have. When you lose something special or someone special, the Bible talks about that there's a really a there is there's an important time of grieving. There's an important time of mourning, right? And so whatever that time is, Tina's helped me a lot with this. She leads a, an incredible ministry in our church called Grief Share. And people mourn differently and they take different amounts of times, you know, to, to, to work through those things. And that's true. Can we get a good amen right there? Right? And so there's a time of mourning. There's a time of grief. But I also just want to say this, that there's also a time to stop focusing on what has been lost and become excited about what is next. I, I want to be real careful, loving, but also very serious. Like when you lose something or somebody, God does not, his plan for you is not for you to die yourself. God's plan for you is to go through, to bring him into the center where there's healing, where Jesus is, there's healing. Where Jesus is, there's comfort. Where Jesus is, there's support, right? So the idea is not just to pick up your chin and just get over it, but the idea is to bring Jesus into the middle so that he can take you through, come on, this, this hardship of hardships. And listen, I know some of your stories, and so I know what it is. Some of you have been through things that I've prayed, Lord, never let me go through that again, or never let me go through that or experience that. And so, but the idea is we've got to take our focus off of what's been lost at some point and put it on what the promise that is next. And that is exactly what's happened here. See, there's been things that I've been through that I've almost lost my mind over. But guess what? God showed up. And there are things that you, because I know some of your stories have been through, but you're here and you're and you're doing you're doing all right. Not saying that you're you're gonna lose thoughts and memories and not that it's not always gonna be a part of your life, but you're here walking in victory, right? Why? Because God showed up. And so I think of Sarah and, and George and Nancy. I, I just I've been thinking about her so much this last couple of weeks. That marriage advice on Facebook, so powerful. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. But but Sarah faced her cancer situation, her, her, her life threatening, which ended up taking her life. She faced it and she championed it better than I've ever seen anybody champion such a thing before. And so this is the one thing that I, that I have to believe, that I have to know, that I absolutely do know because I experienced some of it, is that even though I'm sure that she had some difficult and some really dark times, some hard times, I also know this, that she must have had some tremendous visitations by God. Whether it just be in her own personal word study of the Bible, in her own personal prayer time, like for her to champion this and say, listen, man, everything is going to be okay. In the DR, she gets up and she gives a testimony that she's trusting in Jesus regardless of what happens. Like you don't do that. 
unless you were walking in the presence and had some visitations with God. So let's just say you're here today and, you're, and, and this is what you'd say. Okay, great, wonderful. So there's a time to quit focusing on what's been lost and press on to what's next. What if I've tried that? Like I've tried to feel different. I've tried to think different. I've tried to speak different, but I keep going back to the, to the gut-wrenching pain that is on the inside of me. What would you say to that? And I would say this, that sometimes, most of the time, the only way that you, that you get past focusing on what's lost and pressing on to what is next is in and through one thing. It's a visitation. It's a visitation. It's God. It's you presenting yourself, pushing in, waiting on the Lord until he shows up. And this is exactly what happened in this situation. Jesus came back and he visited them. And this visitation changed everything. It changed everything. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 says this in my former book. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do. And I just want to stop right there. Whenever it says things like this, it leads me to believe that when he begins something, that means that there's going to be a continuation of that same thing. And so if you've come in here hopeless, if you've come in here fearful, if you've come in here, you know what I mean, just broken and uncertain, if you've come in here afraid, I'm telling you this, that that he began it here and he's continuing it today, Jesus is enough. He's not finished with you yet. In fact, some of you would say to people that meet you and they're like, boy, you're still kind of a mess, aren't you? You still are just kind of, you need to get your act together. And this is what you could say to them. You think I'm a mess now? You should have seen me six months ago. If you think I'm a mess now, you should have seen me 10 years ago. Like, I'm still a mess, but boy, oh boy, have I come a long way. Amen? So even after the visits, even after the great revelation that Jesus has given, the disciples, those that were assembled in that upper room, they still were not clear of his direction. They're like, man, thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for healing. Thank you, Lord, for raising the dead. Thank you for walking through walls. That was pretty cool. But in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, but again, are you going to set up your kingdom? And then verse 7, Jesus keeps walking along and he says, listen, it's not for you to know these things. It's for my father to know. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. So this is what I want to ask you. Let me get your attention just real quick. Of all these disciples, everything that they've been through, wouldn't they already be his witnesses? They've been there for everything. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They seen him heal the woman that had the issue of bleeding for 12 years. They were there whenever the woman was, was, was uh, 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 demonically possessed by a spirit and had the, the, the disabling uh, issue for 18 years. They seen Jesus spit in the mud and wipe it on dude's eyes and he was able to see. They seen him heal leprosy. They seen him... They've seen him walk through walls. They've seen all of these things. They've seen him crucified. <laughs> They've seen him buried. And they've seen him for over a period of 40 days as he was showing up to people that he knew. They've seen him do all these things. So wouldn't they already be witnesses? Why in the world would he say, go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost so that you may be my witnesses from here to the other most parts of the earth? Wouldn't they already be that? It's a question I've got, right? They've seen and experienced everything that could be seen or experienced. Experience. But Jesus is like, that's not what I'm talking about. You've seen powerful things and you've heard of powerful things. But this is what he was saying. You can't really be my witness 
until the witness is poured out or the witness is given, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what, that's what enables us to really walk in power and to be witnesses from here to the othermost parts of the earth. This is why Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses unto me when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, when the Holy Spirit is poured out. So he says this, go wait for the promise which brings power. Go wait for the promise that brings power. Go wait for the promise that brings power. There's power in waiting. Go wait for the promise that brings power. There's a problem with the church today that is unique for the day and the time that we live. It's unique for our culture. Like, like ever since I was a kid, in my own lifetime, I, I, I've, gone from, I've gone from my mother cooking meals on a stove that took hours and hours to prepare to remembering when we received and we purchased our first microwave. And how amazing was that? How many of you remember um, Jiffy Pop popcorn? And that was pretty fast. But even before that, how many of you remember just pouring oil into a, into a pan and then throwing popcorn seed in that and just kind of sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting? And now in a minute and 25 seconds, I can throw a bag into the microwave and I'm eating whatever kind of popcorn that I want to eat, right? So we don't wait well, and this is a problem. We don't wait, we want everything today, we want everything right now. It's like I just given my heart to Jesus, I'm walking with him, and we want, we want to be a pastor, you know what I mean? I just graduated college and I've got a business degree, Woo! I'm ready to open my own business because I know everything that there is to know about business. I have not a lick of experience in the workplace because I graduated high school and I went right to college. And I'm not saying that that can't happen, but I'm saying we want everything now and we don't want to put in time, you know what I mean, for anything. He says, go wait for the promise which brings power. Therefore, there is power in waiting. Reminds me of old-time religion because I also am old enough now to remember the days when people would, when the altar was always opened up for people to pursue God. I'm old enough to remember what and to have an understanding of what praying through means. What does praying through mean? Praying through means I've got a situation that I don't have the answer to. And so this Sunday... And if they'll open it up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, I'll go in there as well. But this Sunday, I'm finding myself at that altar, and I'm not leaving that altar until I get what it is that I need. I get an answer. I'm empowered. Whatever it is that I'm seeking, I am going to press in until I receive what it is that I need. And there would be people for one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, Today, this is what this would look like. You'd have people, uh, off. Get, just kneel down. I'll, I'll help you up if you'll help me up. So Hobbs pressing in, right? This is what, this is what would happen today. This is Davina. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hey, if we, don't, if we don't leave right now, there's going to be a bunch of people, big line at Dairy Queen. Right? We're, we're pressing. That's good. I think that was good enough. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the deal. Like back in when I was a kid, there would be people pressing in, pressing in. It doesn't matter if the whole church emptied out and they would leave the church open so that you could stay until you received what it is that you were waiting to receive. It didn't matter if everybody was going to Dairy Queen or El Cap or, or how long it meant. Like, you were so desperate 
then you knew that the only way that you were going to get what it is that you needed, like the best counselor couldn't get it for you, your husband couldn't get it to you, your wife couldn't help you out with it, your children, your best friends, you needed an encounter with God. You needed a visitation from the Lord. And I'm just saying that we've got to get back to some of that old-time religion because if you think about it, this is how the church that we know it was built. People pushing in, trusting, pressing for the things of God. Amen? And it wasn't just like, God, hurry up. I got eight minutes left. I need you to do this quickly. No, there was nothing more important than that. So Jesus teaches us that great things come to those that wait on the Lord. The book of Isaiah says this. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will will walk and they will not faint. And listen, once again, even as I'm sharing this, I know for a fact, and this is my close, I know for a fact that there are some here, you're like, but you don't know what I'm surrounded by. You have no idea what I'm dealing with. And I'm like, yes, I realize that. I have no clue. And I know that pressure, world pressure, can be real pressure. But I know this, that the Bible says that when the enemy raises up a standard, the Lord says, I raise up a greater standard against him. Amen? And I'm just saying that everything that you need is found in Jesus. Everything that you need is found in waiting on the Lord. So my question is this, is will you wait? Will you wait? Like when you're facing something, will you, will, you, will, you, will you go back to the closet that you once knew? See, some of you don't, you, don't, you don't even know what I'm talking about, the closet. The Bible talks about a secret place. When you go to pray, go to your closet. Shut the door. It doesn't always have to be in front of everybody else. It's you and God, right? Let's find the closet again. Let's, 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 get, let's find the position of laying flat out on the Lord in a, in a posture of humility, in a posture of, of, of just, God, I have nothing, but you have everything. Lay out before the Lord and just lay there and pray until you get the visitation that you need. Guys, I would like to see our church as we're worshiping, don't wait for somebody. If you have something, know this, that this altar is always open. You don't have to wait for anybody to come up and say, hey, listen, guys, the altar's open. And then for our prayer team, let me, I wanna teach you something just real quick. It's important that you're led by the Spirit, our leaders, our lay leaders, our pastors, our, our prayer team. Sometimes if you'll pay attention to the Spirit, The Spirit of God will tell you, hey, go lay a hand on them and pray for them. Other times, leave them alone, right? So just because somebody's up here in all situations doesn't mean, like sometimes you can be a distraction, but if you'll pray, the Lord will lead you. Yeah, go up and lay a hand on them, pray with, ask them, listen, how can I come into agreement with you? Amen, but these altars are open. I don't know if we gotta get like, risers right underneath this, but whatever we have to do, you know what I mean? We'll do it. I don't know if we need some pillows or something. Just don't fall asleep up here. Let's get hungry for the Lord. Let's get back to the things that are important to him. And let's do whatever it takes because God is preparing us this year to step and walk in power. And power comes from his presence, his presence in his word, his presence in prayer, his presence individually as you pray privately, and his presence is here corporately. The scripture that backs up everything that I've just shared. His presence is where people worship. His presence is where people call upon his name. It's the greatest thing. It's the most important thing. It's 
everything. He said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And it breaks my heart when people feel like they're all alone. All that shows me is, is A, they're either A, not saved, or they've just been lied to by the enemy. They're speaking things that is just not true because we will never be alone in the Lord. He will always, and he's always with us, and he's always there for us to call on. Amen? So I feel compelled just to pray for you today. If you would just put your hands like this in a receiving posture. Lord, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for this wonderful church, these beautiful people that truly do desire you. They love you. God, the fruit that comes from this place in so many different ways is evident that you are at work in our midst. We thank you, Lord, for that. We pray, Lord, that we would continue in this season of power just to grow and to learn and to develop and to trust and to know and to show and to give and to minister, Lord. We just ask that whatever it is that you show us that we take and we disperse it, much like the loaves and the fishes they received from you and then gave. And there was plenty left over after everybody was full. We thank you, Lord, for this community. And I pray specifically for this community, God, our area, the Minicasha area. I pray in Jesus' name that truth, the truth of the Lord would reign. And I pray, Lord, that people would experience love in special ways from your people. I pray, Lord, that this church and all the other churches that are Bible-believing churches would just be beacons of light in this community. They would be shelters. They would be training grounds. They would be places of preparation that people would flock to. Thank you, Lord, for the things that are happening in Kentucky, and that's a beautiful thing, and it's wonderful. But the idea is not to get a plane ticket and go there. The idea is to wait on the Lord here. We celebrate, Lord, what is taking place. Anytime that something significant and special happens, Lord, we celebrate it. But let it also turn into a desire to receive it. Lord, I pray for Turkey. I pray for even yesterday, I believe I had seen that there was a, somebody that was found in, in all of that rubble 11 days later. And I believe that supernaturally there are more that can be found as well. Be with, be with all the, the, the frontline people that are risking their own lives to save others. Be with them, encourage them, bless them, use them, equip them, and direct them. Lord, so many things to pray about in our world today. We just ask this, that in pockets all over the world, let the name of Jesus be lifted higher than any other thing. And we'll do our part in this community. Lord, we lift up your name. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We thank you for it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.